The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, one and all. We hope you are doing well. We hope you are feeling the holiday spirit carrying over, obviously, after uh, Thanksgiving and the weekend and whatnot. So uh, this is Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show. A reminder before we go any further that this show is presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. As mentioned, this is the SB Nation NFL show. You can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things make us very happy. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. And if you do, you will see the whole crew together once again for the first time in many, many, many moons. The incredible Rachel Prevet is on the ones and twos. My name is RJ Ochoa. With me, as always, once again, Mark Schofield and J.P. Acosta, the best writers from SBNation.com. I don't care what James has to say. Mark, on the subject of moons, did you know that tonight is a full moon? I did not know that tonight is a full moon, but maybe that explains why my daughter did not want to go back to school this morning. Or maybe it was just the fact that she had basically off last week off. Yeah, JP, um, it is nice. Like, I know people prefer to the Sunday scaries, but there's something different to, like, the post-holiday scaries and having to go back and resume life in school, first period, second period, all that sucks. Oh, it just feels like a completely different world you're going back into. Like, when I was growing up, going back to school, it did not feel the same. Like, it felt like, okay, we've gotten past Thanksgiving. It's time to go into cruise control. Yeah, well, Can I just, just point something out here? My birthday is January 2nd. And I just want to say for the record, that is perhaps the worst day to have a birthday because that is, I think, almost every single year. That's the day you go back to school. That's the day you what? go back to work, right? Yeah. Who goes back, nobody goes back to school on January 2nd. You go like, back on like the ninth. I mean. What? What do you? It's either like the fourth yeah. no, or the no, ninth. No, 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 no. Every year growing up, like if January 2nd was a, was a weekday, unless it was like Monday and it's the day, unless like New Year's Day was a Monday and you observe it on January 2nd, like I was going back to school on January 2nd. I think yeah, that, but like, wild. I actually think that'd be kind of cool, Mark, because it's the first day back from Christmas break. So like, it's your first time seeing everybody. Like, so everybody's like, hey, Mark, happy birthday, no, Mark. Like, that'd be really no, cool. No, absolutely not. It was brutal. You mm. go back to school, like after having like a week and a half off, and the other thing, look, once you turn 21, nobody wants to go out on January 2nd, right? Like, nobody That's is going out with you. That that was also a bit of a, a, a stinger right there. Uh, JP, what month is your birthday in? My birthday's in July. Okay. So that has its own pros and cons. Uh, I'm an October baby, and I feel like that's the best. I've, I've said that, like, my entire that's, life. That's quality. Yeah, I mean, you get, like, the fun fall, and then, you know, and Rachelle, you're August. So, you, Rachelle, unless you were um, the young one of your uh, graduating class, um, you're, you're one of the first if you're in October. First to turn 16, first to turn 21, first to turn 18, obviously. Uh, so life works out pretty well for you. I think you want to be in that October-November sweet spot. JP, were you old or young for your class? I was young for my class. I actually started Ooh. school a year earlier than I was supposed to. So basically, I started school like, I don't remember what age, but I should have, when I was graduating high school, I should have been a junior instead of a senior. So like- I so turned, you graduated high school at 16 years old? I turned 17 like the summer before I okay. started my senior year. 
Okay. So, uh, so you were last. So you were like last relative to like your your friends to turn sixteen and eighteen. Yeah, I've always been the youngest in every school environment that I've been in. I've always been the youngest person in the class. Okay. Well, the youngest person in this class at the very least here on Monday Football Monday. Uh, we are all together once again. Uh, since we last spoke, um, Lightning McQueen became a subject of mainstream uh, sports discussion. Uh, so some people, JP, are saying that Monday Football Monday is that influential. I think it is. I mean, we had Stephen A. Smith talking about Lightning McQueen on his podcast. Stephen A. Smith exactly. wants to come on, talk Lightning McQueen with us. The invitation's open. Mark, I think you'll understand this. Um, when you have a young child, you watch movies in sequences. Like, you don't watch them full on out. So uh, my wife's son and I have seen about the first 45 minutes of Ratatouille. I wanted to tell you guys that kind of personally. It's pretty solid so yeah. far. Yeah, I mean, because because when the chi when the children are young, you're not getting through the entire right. ninety minutes. Like you just you're just not like you're getting to nap time. That's what it's for. And so you yeah you will watch like the first half of Moana four hundred and fifty two times before you get to see the entire thing. But that's okay. Well, um, I feel like we have uh, dilly dallied enough. Uh, so we've yeah. we've given everybody like something of everything to everyone uh, on yeah. this uh, this Cyber Monday. Um, I hope you both get some fantastic deals. But uh, we have one game left in Week Twelve. It's gross. Nobody cares about the Bears and Vikings. We have four games that we're not going to talk about: the three Thanksgiving Day contests and the Black Friday deal. Uh, Mark, did you buy anything on Black Friday? I did. I got the bulk of my shopping for my wife done. Although it was kind of painful because we were out at a movie. We saw. Um, the new Trolls movie on Saturday. Okay. Everybody, else, everybody else was watching Michigan Ohio State. We were at the new Trolls movie, which was pretty good. The music, the, they did some sort of like, um, you know, they they spliced some songs together, some mixes and stuff. It was pretty cool. But I come home and like all the gifts for my wife are like on the porch delivered. And even though I had requested like the hidden gift boxes, mm. no, 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 they were all labeled. So my wife already knows ninety percent of the stuff that I got her. But yeah, did some shopping Black Friday, which um preventing me from watching that Jets Miami game in its entirety. Although I did see the pick six on a Hail Mary, which is just that was beautiful. Sure. Um it sure. was it was beautiful. Uh JP, uh did you buy anything this week? It didn't have to be a Black Friday sale. I actually didn't buy anything Black Friday wise. We spent uh, my girlfriend and I went up to Gainesville, spent some time with my family for Thanksgiving. It was very fun. We did not go see the Trolls movie, which I didn't realize came out this weekend, even though my baby sister loves trolls. Like that is her, that's her thing. She recites every song word, word for word. She is one of the, one of, if not the biggest Trolls fan on planet earth. So I expect my, my parents to go let her watch the movie Trolls later, even though like I've seen Trolls like at this point, like 400 times and I'm a little bit Trolls out. Okay. Um, I think it was can't fight this feeling that was in the Trolls movie, right? That was the, like, the one. That was like the first feeling. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. That okay. was the first, right. yeah. I started to talk about football and then I got so interested in all this other stuff. Anyway, uh, there are 11 games, I believe, from Sunday that we are here to discuss. Um, and so the time has come to do just that. Mark, um, I think we have to start in Philadelphia where the Eagles survived again. 37 to 34, the final score. Sean McDermott, the ultimate coward, uh, taking a knee at the end of regulation. I don't know if we disagree on that. My feelings are obviously obvious. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles are not the worst 10 and one team by most metrics. Um, I know Aaron Schatz of FDN fantasy, I uh, tweeted out the DVOA, uh, different 10 and one teams over history, but they're up there with like the 2008 lions, the 2012, uh, not lions, excuse me, Titans, 2012 Falcons. Um, they remain lucky, but they remain capable of capitalizing on that luck. Yeah. I know JP is going to dive into this because we, we've been saying all season long, like, you win the clunkers. You want to be a good team, you win your clunkers. And it seems like the Eagles win a lot of clunkers right now. Um, I, I want to focus on the McDermott decision. Oh. Nick Gary, who I love, I've known for years. We used, we hosted a show together about, you know, who the Bills were going to draft that draft cycle when they drafted Josh Allen called Intentional Scouting. It was a lot of fun to do that show. And he reminded us that a year ago on Thanksgiving, you know, when they were trailing to Detroit, they went like right down the field with like one big throw. That's all you need. Like, and Aaron Schatz also pointed out that, like, they took a time out to, like, basically mismanage the clock at the end of that game. Like, give yourself a chance. Give Josh Allen a chance. Tony Rome was in the booth saying, like, throw it on two of three downs. He was saying that over and over and over again near the end of regulation and overtime because you've got a talented quarterback with a rocket right arm that could get you back into field goal range in the blink of eye. You've got 20 seconds to work with. This could be your 13 seconds kind of game. And they play for overtime on the road. Like, I just, 
I just don't get that decision. With your season potentially on the line, you're going to do that? Man, I don't know. I mean, that was the 2023 Bills in a nutshell, that entire game. Josh Allen goes supernova. I mean, that was a phenomenal Josh Allen game. You start seeing him use his legs a little bit more. You start, you see the throws that he was making. And, you know, you come up short multiple times. You don't go for it. You don't try and go score, get in the field goal range of 20 seconds left, even though, like you said, Josh Allen has done that before. And then you get into overtime, Gabe Davis forgets where the ball is and reminds you of, or reminded me that Gabe Davis is the football version of J.R. Smith, where it's either a spectacular catch or he's forgetting where the ball is. But this is the Bills in a nutshell. This is what the Bills are. They are a team that cannot win in the margins. And that's where I think the Eagles are. I think the difference in like the Eagles and a team that we kind of compare them to like last year's Vikings. So I went and looked it up. Last year's Vikings team was, I believe, they were in the late 28th in DVOA. Right. The Eagles are eighth. It's not like this team is just barely scraping by. What they no, they're do, not. The, they, yeah. They win the clunkers. But the thing that I'm most impressed about with the Eagles is how they win in the margins. They go forward on fourth down. You only have to get nine yards in three plays because that one yard, you can just push forward. They, they're always lurking around. You can never get them out of a game because they have. They had the talent to overcome any mistake. Jalen Hurts did not play a great game. It was very clear that he is hurt. He is injured. He cannot run at all. But you have the deep throws to Devontae Smith. You have the uh, Olamide Zacchaeus touchdown, which was a beautiful throw and catch. You have Devontae Smith, who had a phenomenal game. A.J. Brown, once again, was very good. But then you just have all these dudes. And at the end of the day, you have to beat them. You have to physically go out and win in the margins to take them down. And that's something where the Bills just don't have it. And that goes back to the coaching. The Eagles are a much better coach team, and they know how to win in the margins, which is what makes them the best team in the NFL. I agree with everything you said, JP. I, a lot of people, I think, are comping them to last year's Vikings, you know, with the one possession wins. I don't. They're not that. Like, I'm certain there's a team out there in, in somewhat recent NFL history that they are reminiscent of, but it's not that team. Um, I agree with you that you they they force you to beat they will not lose a game themselves like th- that that's what really separates them from most NFL teams and we can point to several things that Sean McDermott has done obviously this season but certainly in this game they lost them you know the game itself like you mentioned Mark the timeout to ice Jake Elliott like what are you doing dude like you 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 might need that like I mean it was so stupid to burn that and you know you mentioned the Detroit um, obviously Thanksgiving performance I think there was 23 seconds left but I think they had all three timeouts. And so I recognize 20 seconds, one timeout, not the same, you know, overall math. But if you have that timeout in your back pocket, you could potentially do this thing. I mean, and it's not just Sean McDermott, like the loserness is rippling into other people. Stephon Diggs, you know, credit James Bradbury for punching it out. But Stephon Diggs had that first down at the very end of this game in overtime. I mean, like, it's just a comedy of errors. And every now and then, I think there's a situation where we're obviously going to talk about Frank Wright getting fired by the Panthers. But Sean McDermott's not the worst head coach in the NFL. Like, you could have made an argument, I think, that Frank Reich was. But it's just, it might be time. It it might just be time for the Bills and Sean McDermott to go their separate ways, too. So I think there's an interesting corollary between these, a couple of teams that played this weekend. Sean McDermott is NFL Ryan Day, you know? They have, they do two, they are very good coaches. Like, you can get a lot worse than than Ryan Day coaching your team or Sean McDermott coaching your team. But when it comes to playing teams that are legit phenomenal, legit Super Bowl contenders, and you have to win in the margins, you don't trust either of those guys. And that's where the Bills are. It's not just about making the playoffs at this point. It's about winning a Super Bowl. You have a quarterback who can win the Super Bowl. You have a receiver. I mean, the Bills' skill position talent is not good. Like, it's not – it is a below-average skill position group considering, like, the amount of resources they've piled in. But – you have the quarterback who can get you to that point. If you get Josh Allen in a playoff like scenario, there's nothing like there's nothing saying that he can't go on. I mean, if Joe Flacco can go on the run that got the Ravens to the Super Bowl, there's no reason Josh Allen can't do that. But they have a coach who is hamstringing them because he's so reliant. He is so reliant on coaching to not lose instead of coaching to win. And that's where I think the biggest difference between a Nick Sirianni and a Sean McDermott lies is. Nick Sirianni coaches to win. Sean McDermott coaches to not lose. 
Mark, um, I think that that's really well said by JP. And I mean, I, I heard, I can't remember what like documentary it was, but Jim Kelly a few years ago, um, like part of the Josh Allen era was talking about how, you know, they needed playoff games in Buffalo. And like, obviously everybody remembers the Andy Dalton moment in, in Buffalo reaching the playoffs. And it was this like kind of seminal thing. Well, like they're cursed by their own success at this point. Like they've become a Super Bowl contender. So when, when you're just this middling, you know, potential playoff team at this point in time, like it's not enough. No, no, it, it's not enough. And, you know, spinning through Bill's, X Twitter the past say 12 hours or so you're seeing a lot of have we wasted the Josh Allen years and I don't think we're there yet because look he's still on the younger side a lot of quarterbacks have won Super Bowls north of 30 he can still certainly do that but I think there's this growing sense that they've wasted this particular window like they had a window where yes you know Kansas City was certainly good, but you look around the division and New England has certainly fallen off and the Jets are still sort of trying to figure out where they are and figure out the quarterback position. And Miami's getting good, but there is a window where they could have had like a nice four-year run, maybe not as good as the four-year run they obviously had years ago under Jim Kelly when they got to four four consecutive Super Bowls even though they lost the ball. But there was a thought that they had a nice window of contention here, and that may have been squandered. And to the McDermott point, you might need a new voice for your next Josh Allen-ish window. Um, JP, something I say a lot is I, I really believed that the 2015 Cowboys tried to build their team like they could go pick up where Des caught at Lambeau Field. Like they, they acted that way. Like that that was and it was part of their do. And and you know that year Romo got hurt. There was a lot of other things. But the Bills have just been chasing the 13 seconds game, the 13 seconds moment. Like that's all they have done. They have acted like they could just, you know, sim to that moment and you can't. And that's what separates them from teams like the Eagles. The Eagles lost the Super Bowl last year. They could have very well won it. And they didn't say like, oh, we're good. Like whatever, we'll be totally fine. No, they understand that you have to climb the mountain every single year and the Bills are just unwilling to do that. They aren't. And it's, they're unwilling to, like I said, they're unwilling to win in the margins. It's mm -hmm. those type of things where when talent is equal, your coaching has to put them over the top. Your decisions have to put them over the top. You have to put, you have to maximize the margin of error you give for your team. And the Bills have such a razor thin margin of error, not only because of the coaching, but with the lack of defensive depth they have, they're not really, I mean, they don't, have, they don't have a lot on defense right now. And I think that's also a reflection of, the drafting and free agency process and kind of just, you know, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott built this team to win the 13 seconds game. That was, that was it. We're going to look back at that 13 seconds game as the crucial turning point for both the chiefs and the bills franchises. Like that was, that was the year, you know, but it just feels like now those defensive guys are getting a little older. Von Miller has barely played at all. And when he does, he's not making as, as much of an impact. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are getting a lot older. Matt Milano's not playing because he got hurt. Jadavis White also got hurt. Like, this is this is the win the closing. The window's probably closed for this iteration of the Bills. Um, the Bills are currently 10th in the AFC playoff picture, um, which is a tough scene. It's been a while since we were all together, as mentioned. Um, so I can't quite remember, but do we want to formally put the Bills in the crockpot? Are we at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Bills and Chargers stewing for we'll we'll pull them out at the offseason. We'll lift the lid off. Uh Mark, when you put the lid down, do you put it on a tower or do you just let the condensation get on the counter? I it depends on what I'm making. Like yeah. if it's sort of a soup stew kind of thing, yeah, you know, I'll just let it go. We put the green bean casserole in the crock pot <laughs> on Thursday to kind of, you know, ease things for us. I used to towel there because you don't want that to get overly soggy. So it kind of depends on what we're doing. Also, with the Chargers, can we just forget the crock I think, pot with I them? Think they I, are well I'm so tired of that team. Well, do you want to go there? I guess we can kind of get through it. Um, I mean, and, and the Ravens deserve our love and affection. Um, the Ravens, shout out Richelle, uh, did win on Sunday Night Football 20 to 10. Looked a little bit tense for a bit, Mark. Uh, but the Chargers, look. I heard a lot of people, Mark, say that Kellen Moore was finally free of the Cowboys. Kellen Moore was, was going to run away. Kellen Moore was going to take the cyborg that is Justin Herbert, who's also clearly hurt, clearly dealing with like all sorts of, you know, issues and whatnot. But this was a pathetic showing from the Chargers, like which is redefining pathetic because of what Brandon Staley has created. Yeah. I mean, look, this was yet another Chargers game. I mean, one score game near the end of it. You have a chance to pull out a win like they had against Green Bay and so many other times before. And you end up losing. I, 
I, I know we're going to get to Baltimore and they deserve more of our attention than the Chargers, but this is just, it's exhausting. Like it's honestly exhausting. Like we, every summer it's like, yeah, we're going to talk ourselves. You know, you got people like some, one of the dumb writers at SBNation.com wrote a piece on how Kellen Moore is the person that's going to unlock the greatness of his Justin Herbert. Oh wait, that was me who wrote that last summer. And we're not seeing it. And I know Herbert's banned up. And yes, he still makes, and I clipped it and put it on threads earlier this morning, one to two, one to two throws a game where you're just like, man, this is special. But it's he's like he's like the Shohei of the NFL, <laughs> where it's like he makes these great plays and they lose another one score game. So I think my thing with the Chargers and where I'm at is they're not a talented team. Like this is not a this is not the same Chargers team that we thought of with like all these top 10 guys at their positions. So we can talk about the offense. Keenan Allen had 14 catches on 16 targets. The next highest Ram, not Rams, Chargers receiver in targets was Austin Eckler with six. That can't happen. Austin Eckler also had 10 carries for 32 yards. That is really, really bad. You don't have a consistent second receiver, especially with Mike Williams out of the game. That was supposed to be Quentin Johnston. But look, man, I'm not. I'm not burying Quentin Johnston yet, but it's really bad that the Zay Flowers game happens in the oh. exact moment when the Chargers were at the Shrine Bowl exclusively talking to Zay Flowers, and then they picked Quentin Johnston, who did not have a catch or did not show up. And he wasn't well, and he, and he, got, he got benched. He wasn't they didn't on even the bring him, yeah. winning drive for Alex Erickson, who was a practice squad player the week before. Like, this is not... This isn't a talented team anymore. They don't have the depth. They don't have the top end guys. And I said it on Twitter. They haven't played a complete game in what feels like years. Like they have not put together a full, complete performance in years. Offense, defense, special teams. The defense played fine. Like this was a fine performance by the defense. But this was this offense just cannot continue like this. You you desperately need another guy and the thought was you know Quentin Johnston would be that especially with Mike Williams hurt but I mean he's Jalen Guyton had more targets than Quentin Johnston like this is, um, not, this is not a good pick 21 Quentin Johnston pick 22 Zay Flowers pick 23 Jordan Addison I'm a Patriots fan I know what it's like to see your team draft a receiver and then see players like DK Metcalf come off the board after them or George Pickens come off the board after them. But as it's trending right now, Chargers fans are going to be looking at that sequence of three picks and wondering what could have been. Now, like JP, I'm not closing the book on Quinton Johnson, but that's a tough scene right now. JP, you tweeted after the game that the Chargers and Giants had the same amount of wins this season. Um, can you name the four Chargers wins off the top of your head? Um, They beat the Vikings. Yeah, that know. crazy, like, and that was that wasn't kinda, like a they beat the Vikings. Yeah, it was Vikings like it was one of those. It was a clunker. It was, it was a clunker. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe not a clunker, but it was it was it was a coin flip. But so um, that's one. Oh my gosh! Who else did they beat? They won the very next game. I don't know if that's helpful. I doubt it. But um, I'll just help you out. Uh, they beat the Raiders, uh, twenty-four to seventeen. So beat the Raiders by one possession. And then they won their two primetime games, the Bears on Sunday Night Football, the uh, the Badgley game, and then they beat the Zach Wilson-led Jets on Monday Night oh, Football. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, maybe. So, like, those are the four, like, wins. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you – like, which one do you feel good about if you're them? Like, the Vikings barely hold on win? And that Vikings I mean, team is really different than the Vikings team. Yeah, yeah, it's a much different Minnesota team right now. I mean, it's – it's like they're not the bills that have some certifiable talent the way we kind of talked about where like josh allen is a little bit limited like i do feel for justin herbert i've gotten tired of the justin herbert like love fest that happens on the internet all the time but like he is clearly really 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 limited i've never been this interested mark in the potential head coaching vacancies that we're going to have um in the offseason we already know that the raiders and the panthers exist potentially the bills potentially the chargers like you're Ben Johnson or whoever, like whoever we deem to be the most, like the hottest candidate, like, who do you pick? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, I think there's an allure of going to the chargers because you get Justin Herbert. Like you've got you get Josh Allen. That. If you go to Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, that's certain. And you like, don't have Mahomes in your division. 
those two teams are enticing because you have the quarterback piece figured out. You think about some of the other, like Jerry's obviously still out on Bryce Young, although I think he made some nice throws in their loss on Sunday. But you start thinking about other, you know, the Raiders, they got a quarterback question right there. New England, potentially, if there's a Belichick ended, they got a quarterback question there. So Buffalo and the Chargers, like those seem to me to be like the two most desirable spots because you've got the biggest position, the most important position in the game figured out already. There is a coach in California who would not have to move very far to take that Chargers job. Chip Kelly? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be hilarious. It would be really funny. I, um, I've gotten to bad for Mike McCarthy a lot. I feel like he doesn't get enough love. I feel like we still aren't giving John Harbaugh enough love. Like, this Ravens team is just annually – they're the number one seed in the AFC, JP. Like, they're, they're – like – Mark, you can scoff all you want. They are. No, no, no. I, generally speaking, I agree. The Harbs had a rough game, though. Like, the, the, like he had a couple of like non challenges and decisions where I was. Just I like, agree, but but he, about that. But generally speaking, this, yeah, this was a poor game for the Ravens. I agree with you. There were some poor decisions made. Justin Tucker missed a field goal, right? Like you know, whatever. But they won, right? Like like we we do that with the Eagles all the time. Like oh man, like you know, AJ Brown had one catch for seven yards, whatever it was, and they won. Like the the Ravens are in a similar way, JP, unflappable. They they know how to – I'm not going to say they know how to win close games because some of those losses that they've had this year were close games, but they also can maximize the margins because they have the talent. Like, I was thinking about this before half. Even when Justin Tucker missed a field goal, all you got to do is get across midfield and you're in Justin Tucker range. It's like having <laughs> – Justin Tucker is like the kicker version of like if you the get across push. half court with yeah. Steph Curry, he can shoot from there. Yeah. Like, you got to play up, but you have – the talent now, the receivers for the Ravens really stood out. It wasn't just Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham turning back the clock. He had a few slants versus off coverage where I'm like, oh, this is like Giants OBJ. Like he's restoring the feeling, but they they do a good job of winning within the margins. And Mike McDonald is the best coordinator in the NFL in terms of just week in and week out, getting the most out of your guys. That defense is phenomenal. They fly everywhere. Kyle Hamilton is having a phenomenal year. He's getting production out of Jadavian Clowney, who signed a one-year deal in August, so he was a street signing. Like, if we're asking for, like, anybody to be a head coach this offseason, it's Mike McDonald is the first name that's going to come up because he has shut down some of the league's best offenses and brightest, like, offensive minds. Like, you think of Shane Waldron only scored, like, three points. Ben Johnson and the Lions only yeah. scored three points against that defense. Kellen Moore only able to generate 10 points against the defense. Like he is a big game coach and a big, like he, they get up for big games and you can tell that they get up for big games because of how physical they are. And that's, if they can hold on to the one seed, like now you got to go to Baltimore and face that team, which is going to be really tough. Um, I, I think it's annoying, but every year at free agency, people love to be like, well, these guys are free agents for a reason, right? Like their, their team didn't bring them back for a reason. When Wink Martindale left the Ravens, everybody was like, oh my gosh, like what's happening here? Ravens kind of hung on, stabilized, and I think they look pretty smart. I mean, like that's the, that's the Ravens way. Um, Mark, are you ready to move on and upset JP? Sure, we can do that. Well, JP, um, I follow a lot of Houston media because I'm a Houston Astros fan, and they're pissed. They feel like this game was rigged uh, for the Jaguars. They feel like the NFL just wants their uh, shiny, you know, toy Trevor Lawrence to, mm -hmm. to win the AFC South. Mm -hmm. How was Tank Dell not ruled in bounds? The, the NFL is rigged, JP, for the Jaguars. Come on, man. Are you I want you to I want you to re-say that sentence out loud just so we know what we're arguing here. <laughs> the NFL is rigged I, for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, like, I you, think it's silly. You, I, I just... I, I just go want go off. Go to off, understand dude. what we are saying here. The Jaguars are the benefit of NFL officiating? Like, come on, man. Look, you can complain about officiating all you want. The officiating was bad for both sides of the ball. Like, both sides, both teams were on the wrong side of bad officiating. Trevor Lawrence interception, very, very clearly a DPI. Like, it, it was so clear of a DPI, Evan Ingram stopped running because he thought he was going to get the call. And then nobody, like, everybody stopped running, especially after Stingley caught the pick. It's like, oh, where's the flag coming in? Oh, no flag. Let me start running then. Look, there were both, there were both bad calls. 
But at the end of the day, the Texans had a chance to tie that game and send it to overtime. But they couldn't block Josh Allen, who was the best Josh Allen in football yesterday. Like that, I am going to stake that claim right now. Josh Allen for the Jaguars was the best Josh Allen to play football on Sunday. Um, he was just phenomenal. I, I think it was the best game of his career. He generated eight pressures on 12 pass rushes against Laramie Tunzel, who was an all-pro last year, headed for an, another all-pro season this year. And we got what we wanted. We got the superstar showdown at quarterback between Trevor Lawrence and C.J. Stroud. Both guys played phenomenal. Trevor Lawrence had 364 passing yards, two touchdowns, two total touchdowns. Could have been a lot more if Calvin Ridley didn't drop that go, go ball for a touchdown and Christian Kirk didn't get blinded by the light. Like, in the like again, congrats to Houston for building a stadium with a sunspot in it that made Christian Kirk drop the ball. Like, this is a, again, it's a common theme of this stadium, JP. Congratulations for having that. And the Jaguars still won the game. They, we say it a lot, win your clunkers. The Jaguars did not have a great game and won 24-21. That has been kind of the MO for this Jacksonville team. They have not played their best football yet because they're still trying to figure it out on offense. And one of the things that they're still trying to figure out is how to block up front. If they lose Cam Robinson for an extended period of time, that run blocking goes from bad to worse. He is their most physical run blocker. He's the emotional tone setter of that defense. They couldn't run the ball at all. So I think that what this is going to lead to is Trevor, save us. Trevor, throw the ball a lot like he did in this game. And he was on it. You could tell this was a big game. He was throwing smoke. Like the touch, not the touchdown, the first down to Calvin Ridley, where he threw it directly in between Derek Stingley's hands and, and Ridley caught the ball. Like that's, that's a top tier throw. Like this was a, a reminder that Trevor Lawrence is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. CJ Stroud was once again phenomenal. Both guys played great, but again, it is the winning in the margins, and it's having Josh Allen completely game wreck the uh, the Texans on the last drive, where you end up having to settle for a 58-yard field goal at the end of the game. Uh, Mark, nobody evaluates the quarterback position like you do. C.J. Stroud is the best rookie quarterback since who in your mind? Just performance of their rookie season for the audience's sake. We're not saying, I, we're not at a projection based question. Yeah, I mean potentially the guy he played against. Um, you know, but he's he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal, and he and Tank Dow have been phenomenal together. I think it's just impressive that. So much of what Stroud's done is the stuff we thought he couldn't do or people thought he couldn't do, the like outside of the pocket, off of structure, athletic type stuff that we're seeing from him. You know, and he, he told us at the combine, like, look, maybe I regret not doing more of that. And he did it against Georgia, but you're seeing it on a weekly basis. I think it was fascinating. So that you get the doink shot, Houston loses this game. And Adam Ward, our tremendous social media producer, like pointed out, they panned to the crowd and Texas fans were kind of like, okay, whatever. Because this team's like three years ahead of schedule. Like, that's what's so impressive to me. Like, again, I shadowed you out on threads. Like, RJ, your call, this being a potential playoff team. Like, nobody saw this coming. The Texas fans, they're playing with house money. And the idea of getting Stroud versus Trevor versus Anthony Richardson versus, I don't know, Will Levis, I guess, in this division the next couple of years is certainly exciting. I thought this was a great game from Trevor. I thought it was a great game from Josh Allen. Uh, JP's point about the best Josh Allen of the day, I think is a good one, but I just remain so impressed with Stroud and how well he's playing. And Will Anderson Jr., by the way, it felt like every time I like peeked into that game and they were on defense, 51 was near the ball making something happen. Um, Houston's currently outside of the AFC playoff picture, but still enough time for them to obviously kind of figure things out. I believe they still get to play Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's obviously a kind of an important game for them. Uh, as far as the remainder of the regular season. JP, at one point in time uh, on Sunday, the Jaguars held the number one seed in the AFC, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm somewhat say this tongue-in-cheek. These are the Jaguars' remaining games. This is a question for both of you, obviously. Cincinnati on Monday Night Football, not the gauntlet that we obviously expected it to be. At Cleveland, kind of fading a little bit, which helps out Houston, obviously, as well. Baltimore um, at Tampa. Again, kind of a, you know, it's not even a clunker. Carolina, who's a bunch of frauds. And then at Tennessee, the biggest frauds in the AFC South. Uh, that being said, if you don't think that Kansas City can find a way, uh, Baltimore's remaining games, they're on by. They get the Rams, that Jaguars game at San Francisco. That's a really critical game as far as the AFC playoff picture. Miami, 
and then Pittsburgh. And similarly, the Chiefs' remaining schedule, they have the Packers on Sunday Night Football, which is going to stink. Buffalo, at New, who's fighting for their playoff lives, at New England, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, at the LA Chargers. I think the Jaguars have the friendliest schedule down the road, JP. Like, it's not impossible. Like, again, like, and if the Chargers get, like, a weird Week 18 win against the Chiefs, like, that could be what does it. And it's not only the Chargers getting a Week 18 win. It's the Chargers potentially fighting for their playoff lives in a Week 18. Right. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, they're 13th in the AFC. Yes, but... I mean, let's, let's come back down to earth a little bit. Of course, but the Jag again, the Jaguars for a moment in time were the number one seed in the AFC. Like, that is something I didn't think I would be saying at all in, like, my entire existence as a Jaguars fan. But that Baltimore game is the biggest game of the year. You got to go. I believe it's on the road. You got you got to go to Baltimore and beat them. You win that game, you potentially have the inside track for the one seed. Um, and even then, like this upcoming Monday night game against the Bengals, like this is a another like landmark game. This is a big isolated game, Monday night football in Jacksonville. It's gonna be fun. Like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Jaguars are fun. Like, they're, they're a fun football team, they're a really good football team. And I think my biggest thing for this Jaguars team is getting the number one seed in home field advantage might be a little bit of a disadvantage for them because they are undefeated on the road this year. Like they, I think the Jaguars, and I've talked about this with some of my former uh, co-workers at Big Cat Country, the Jaguars are a lot better when everybody hates them. They need. They need. Does that. anybody ever hate them, JP? No, like, they, need, hate they the need to be the underdogs. That's what I'm saying. There's a difference between being hated and being the underdogs. They need to be the underdogs. They have all the Jaguars have always been the underdogs, and now that everybody likes them and everybody's picking them, it's like they have performance anxiety sometimes. Like the 49ers um, Jaguars game, performance anxiety plus the 49ers are just a wagon. Maybe the Jaguars just need to be like nobody needs to pick the Jaguars. Nope. Everybody from this point on, do not pick the Jaguars to win the big games because that's when they perform the best. Mark, you know all about um, being hated, obviously. Again, difference between that and, and being an underdog. I don't think anybody hates the Patriots right now, except for maybe Patriots fans. Um, 10 to 7, the final score at MetLife Stadium. Tommy DeVito. Tommy Cutlet. I mean, look, he made some really good throws in this game. Oh, like he had a couple of whole shots. Jalen Hyatt played well, but like this is just Mac jokes, which by the way is my favorite typo ever. When I dropped that into the SB Nation Slack and autocorrected Jones to jokes, I thought that was tremendous. Bailey Zappy, like it's just a constellation of bad um, for that Patriots offense. I will say my favorite part of watching this game because this was the game that I had the audio on. Because again, Patriots fan. It was Jonathan Vilma, the heroic effort from that man to keep saying, look, these are two great defenses going at it. Just absolutely tremendous. I mean, look, the old linebacker saying these are two great defenses. No, 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 no. These are two pretty bad offenses. Yes, you know, Tommy did cutlets, made some throws. His family in the stands, absolutely tremendous. But these are just two bad offenses. And I just, I just cannot wait until this season is over in New England. If the Patriots don't secure the number one overall pick, is it a failure? Like, are you at that level? No, no. I I, I think the failure would slash will be when they secure the second overall pick and take the Notre Dame tackle. Like, I mean, JP has prepared me for that. And it just seems like such a Belichick, if he's still there, move that I'm just, I've almost accepted it at this point. I know it's not even December, but I've almost accepted it. Tommy DeVito outperformed both Patriots quarterbacks. Like that is, that is a damning statement. If I ever heard one, including like the first round pick at quarterback, I, (laughs) it's just, I don't know what else to say about this Patriots team, except like Drake may or Caleb Williams coming down the pipeline. Like you better hope like, yeah, this game was so bad that there was an extended period in the second quarter when it was a scoreless tie and the Giants were driving into New England territory where they just cut 
to Michael Strahan and Gronk in the studio and waxed poetic about the two Super Bowls these franchises played against each other and weren't even showing what was happening in the game. Like they would cut to a play and there would be no play-by-play. They would just ignore it. And it's like, this is how far the Patriots have fallen. I will say it is very cool that they had the videos of Tommy DeVito's family at the game. The most Italian family I've ever seen. Oh yeah, like they were they were all doing this, and then uh, Tommy DeVito was asked to explain what this means, and it was just incredibly funny. Like I love that he's leaning in on the gimmick. Shout out to the big ragu. Um, yeah. that's fine and fun, I suppose. But the Giants winning this game came at a cost. Uh, they are now not even last in the NFC East. They don't even have a top five pick. If the Giants go through all of this sludge this season, Mark, and don't have a top five pick, that feels like a failure. Yeah, but they get the Eagles twice. Like they're gonna lose some games down the stretch here. Like I- I'm not too worried about. Do you do you think any of the top five teams are gonna win games though? Carolina, Arizona, New England, Chicago, Washington. I think Washington will probably win a game or two. I mean, uh, Carolina will probably have the post Frank Reich fire and bump, or maybe they steal a game here. Like I don't know. I mean, the Giants are fascinating because what do they do? They're uh, I did a show with our great friend Ed Valentine, you know, a preview in the 24 draft class and the number of Giants fans who responded to the tweet for it saying, we don't need to draft a quarterback. We have to draft offensive line and things like that. You know, they've got options if they want to go the like non QB route, but they're still going to lose some games. And look, even if they don't like, even if they don't get into the top five, Dan Daniels and Brian Dayball, you could talk me into that. You could talk me into a Jaden Daniels, Brian Dayball, like, alliance for the giants um i guess like with saying like yeah we need to draft offensive line you've done that for the last three years like at some point it becomes like maybe the development isn't as good as you would hope like maybe the offensive line coach has got to go but i mean look they're six right now behind the giants the bears the patriots the cardinals and then the bears again i do think there's some there's some genuine like hey what if the bears don't pick a quarterback like maybe maybe they trade out of that pick maybe this is the pick where if the giants still remain outside the top 5 they trade up for one of those quarterbacks that's maybe that's the uh <laughs> I'm sorry mark maybe they trade up with the patriots and then the patriots end up with daniel jones and joe alt from Notre dame as the 2024 draft hall because that is the patriot way I can't even. I, I just. I just can't even. My God. You know they're back out of that pick. We both know they're gonna trade out of that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've danced around the Frank Reich news enough. Uh, This is so insignificant that it didn't even lead our show. Uh, like we're 41 minutes in and it's like the Panthers fired Frank. Reich. And I still want to hit the fast forward button. I, like, well, okay. I mean, I guess we can't cause it's a coach. Getting right. Okay. Well the Titans but won. Me... That's okay. Cool. Like, I don't think we have anything to say about the Titans. So like we're fast forwarding through that portion of the discussion. And I don't think we have to talk about the game either. It's just the, the matter of the Panthers firing Frank Reich one in 10 didn't even make it to December. Nathaniel Hackett lasted longer. Frank Reich. Um, <laughs> like that. And look, I, Urban Meyer was bad, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He forgot the so, names of the players. I can't. Yeah, he, was, he was kicking kickers. Like, what are we doing here? I tweeted about this. I can't think of a coach who was fired midseason in back-to-back years. Yeah. Um, now, Chip Kelly, who you brought up earlier, JP, 
uh, was fired midseason by the Eagles and the next year fired by the Niners after the regular season. So he didn't at least survive the regular season. But Frank Reich has been fired midseason by back-to-back teams and not even like proud teams, right? Like the Colts and Panthers are the teams who are kicking you to the curb. Yeah, you get replaced by Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I'm, in one of those situations. <laughs> such a great point. Um, this is a bad look for like David Tepper has been. Uh, I saw Amina Kimes tweet once, Mark, that said um, the goal every day on Twitter is not to be the main character. And David Tepper is the main character of Twitter today. It is a rough look on the Twitter streets for him. The thing is, he wants to be the main character. He wants to do. He wants to be involved in all of this. Since 2018, David Tepper has hired four head coaches. <laughs> like he it's not only that he's making poor decisions. He's making poor decisions quickly. It's like, yeah, at least you're like, you're getting, you're cycling in bad coaches year after year. What is appealing about this situation for an aspiring head coach? What is appealing about Carolina? You don't have a first round pick. The offensive roster is in in need of a major overhaul. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin are both free agents at, at the end of this year. Brian Burns still hasn't gotten that extension. Why would you want to go here? And plus, if you're an offensive mind, you're going to be strapped to Bryce Young. You have to resuscitate that. You have to resuscitate Bryce Young, which I don't think is a major, like, major issue, but you're tied to that quarterback. You cannot bring in a new quarterback because you spent so much capital on moving up to get him. What is appealing about this? And over the top, you're you're going to have Scott Fitter as your GM unless they make another decision, and you're going to have David Tepper as the owner who wants to make all these rash decisions, which is why you're here in the first place. This is, this is not a good job for anybody to want. But it's a job, so somebody's going to take it. The benefit, Mark, is that you're probably just getting paid a lot of money, right? Like that—that's yeah, that, I mean, you're, sell, I mean, you're that's selling it. out. Like, like every hiring cycle, there's the, like one job that like nobody wants, but somebody's going to take it because it's an NFL head coaching gig, and you get to get paid a lot of money. But there's very little to like, as JP just walked us through about walking into this situation. At the top of which is you're going to be under David Tepper, who yes wants to be the main character on Twitter every day, and today he probably will be, unless. The guy that fired Frank Reich last year decides to get on the tweets and, and tell us some more stories. Um, but like, yeah, this is not a good environment to walk into. And it's not a good environment, let's be honest, for Bryce Young. Like, as we've seen over and over and over again, like uncertainty and change is bad for a young quarterback. Just ask Mac Jones, who got to have Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator last year, or Marcus Mariota, who went through how many different offensive coordinators during his time in Tennessee. Like changing things around the young quarterback is never a good thing. It rarely ends well. And now this is what you're going to do for Bryce Young. Like it's going to be, it's a bad look. Tough times for the Panthers. Um, if either of you think they're going to get the post Frank Reich firing bump, it's a good thing they play in the NFC South because they have divisional games back to back to back at Tampa, at New Orleans, Atlanta. Jeez. Do, do they win one of those games? Maybe. I'm gonna say, yeah, yeah, they <laughs> win one of those games. They absolutely do because that division, man. I would hate to be the Bucs this week and like have yeah. the potential. That's such a like terrifying situation. By the way, the Bucs might have a, a new head job or, or head coaching opening too. Like, I mean, everybody we'll in the NFC South might have a new head coach, including the team that wins the division. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Remember, we do all technically still have our fast forwards. Uh, speaking of the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons, Mark, defeated the New Orleans Saints 24 to 15 and now lead the NFC South. Hey, what a big surprise. Bijan Robinson can be a help for you. Yeah. If you put the Look ball what happens when you actually involve him in the game and not in the, oh, he could create magic away from the football kind of way. Like the touchdown was a great design. Like the, the touchdown catch, you know, leaking him out of the backfield. The touchdown run was great. JP was saying during this game that I don't think either quarterback wants to win this game. And I think there's a point to that because neither one of these quarterbacks played actually really well. You get Jameis Winston rapid to Luda like on the sideline. We're still trying to pin when that happened. But at some point, it was during a time when we'd think the Saints were trailing in that game, which is absolutely hilarious. We had a lot of Taysom Hill involvement in here. Like this game was like quintessential NFL self. Like you search Google for what is NFL self football. There you go. This game pops up. The Saints are in a cap hell that they, even they cannot get out of. Like that, this is not a good environment. Like you went, you spent all this money on Derek Carr, who has been bad. Like the interception was partially a great play by Jesse Bates, who has been an all pro this year, played at an all pro caliber level this year. But Derek Carr stared down that receiver. I think the most quintessential Derek Carr play 
came, I think, midway through the court, third quarter. The Saints are trailing. It's like third and six and they're closer to the red zone. He evades pressure, and there is a lane for Derek Carr to run and go and get the first down. Instead, he throws a check down to Alvin Kamara, who was blanketed by a receiver. And that is the end of the drive. You know, like this is this is what Derek Carr is. And I just don't like I don't get what they're trying to do. Like you keep pushing it back. You keep pushing the cap hell back, keep pushing it back. Eventually, you're going to have to pay that bill. Like eventually it's going to have to come up. And this might be the year for them to actually be like, OK, we got to blow it up. We got to reset because this is not you. If you can't win this NFC South, you're not winning any future NFC South. And I mean, the Falcons, like, they don't want to win the NFC South. They are actively trying to not win the NFC South, but they're kind of falling backwards into it. And does anybody, like, can we put anybody else in the playoffs instead of these teams? Um, as a Cowboys fan, I'm very excited about whoever's going to win this division. Um but the Falcons are not going anywhere, JP. They visit the Jets next week. Um, then they get the Bucks, and then they're in Carolina, and then the Colts, and then they end their two or they end their season at Chicago and back in the Superdome. By the way, I've always hated how, or not always, but like how these two teams in their building share a sponsor. That's so stupid. I hate that so much. But um, I know that's not an original take, but whatever. Um, are we done with this? Can we move on? Okay, great. Uh, let's, I guess, get rid of the division. The Buccaneers, Mark, fell uh, in Indianapolis, 27 to 20, the final score. There are some Colts fans, Mark, who are like, hey, look, y'all are all obsessed with D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. Shane Stein can kind of fly in a little bit under the radar here. Like, the, I, I, I mean, I'm willing to buy a little bit into the Colts right now. I feel like the price is low. Look, I mean, the, the note is right here. Shane Steichen, coach of the year. I wrote it yesterday. Like, I think he's earned some consideration of what's fascinating to me re-watching this offense from yesterday this morning it's basically the offense that they build for anthony richardson like it's a lot of like run game stuff qb run elements half field concepts and they're just get it from gardner Minshew. the fourth and one play call mm -hmm. i thought was absolutely oh. brilliant like such a great design their defense can sort of get after you up front like they've put themselves into the playoff mix and they've removed themselves from the in the hunt category to they're in right now. It's been fascinating to see. I don't know if it sticks, but it's been great. And I think Steichen deserves some consideration. Now, again, here we are before December, but I think he's earned that. I think they've done a really good job of rebounding after the Anthony Richardson injury. Like they, They've gotten really good play from their stars defensively, especially up front. The offense has been very the fact that it's been able to change and the fact that you're able to get Jonathan Taylor back, who we've, again, very good. Like they, you got to keep that guy around. Like that's a good football player. I just don't know if the, are the Bucks serious? Like this is not a serious like football game by this team. Like what are you doing? <laughs> like you, this team, I just, I don't know if I have the words, like what, you can't really say like, oh, they're in like tank mode for a quarterback. They're seventh right now in the draft order. But, you know, like, again, you're in the NFC South. Anything can happen. Are they also not going to have a head coach at the end of this year? It feels like the patience is wearing thin with Todd Bowles. Um, if not for the Panthers, I think that the Bucks would be in the worst position in the NFC South. But, like, we can look at the Falcons and, and talk ourselves into some things. Obviously, if they get a quarterback, we can look at the Saints and talk and, you know, like some things, whatever. But, like, what what are the – like, Mike Evans isn't going to be there. Chris Godwin's a little bit older. Rashad White's been fun. But, like, you know, what – like, the core of what – I don't think any Bucks fan is sad. Like, a Bucks fan is like, look, who won the Super Bowl a few years ago? Like, we're fine. Like, we're straight chilling. Um, the Bucks are kind of insignificant to me. That's really how I feel about them. They got a ton of divisional games left, though. I mean, they get, I think, Panthers twice, Falcons, and Saints left. So, I mean, there's four games they could win right there. They get a game against Green Bay in Green Bay. They could win that one. The toughest game left is Jacksonville at home. Like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. We don't know what Tampa Bay is doing. It's a weird team. They might have a head coach in vacancy at the end of the year. But to JP's point from earlier, they could win this division and still have that head coach in vacancy. Um, okay. Well, kudos to the Colts. I'm happy. Look, the Jonathan Taylor thing, 
could have been really bad. Like yeah. it's it's gotten okay. You know what I mean? Like, and as somebody who drafted him at a discount in my fantasy league of record, pretty happy right now. Just gotta say. So turns out paying good players is smart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that we have much to offer on this game, but the Pittsburgh Steelers um won. Can we I'm I'm using it. I'm using mine or JP. Okay, we're gonna use this the fast forward. I guess it's, it's yours, Mark. Um, but yeah. just notably, they did have over 400 yards of total offense and had none under Matt. Cass. That's amazing. Like that's really amazing. First time since pre-COVID. Like <laughs> what? It's, it's, I think it was it was technically COVID. Like it was it was 2020. Um, oh, okay. so I mean, but um, but that's just amazing that it would be the first time, JP. The last time, uh, the before Matt Canada, the last game that COS had before Matt Canada, they had over 400 yards of offense. It's just the entire Matt Canada regime, they had under 400 yards of offense. First game post Matt Canada, they have over 400 yards of offense. I think um, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel for the Bengals. I, I mean, I know, I know we're not going to talk about this game, but like, I just feel it's it's tough to watch this end of the regular season for them. Yeah, just just a tough scene. Um, I guess let's uh, round out the AFC North. Um, since we already talked about Baltimore, the Browns fell in Denver, 29 to 12. Um, you both saw that Miles Garrett's arm was in a sling after this game. Um, I've been checking all morning, and our friends at DraftKings do not have defensive player of the year odds up. Uh, they have been down all morning. So, again, I, I'm not trying to intimate anything, but that would suggest it's similar to last year, Mark, when the Jalen Hurts odds all of a sudden disappeared for MVP. Yeah. Um, again, nobody knows exactly what the situation is here, but this was a really seismic loss for the Browns in that sense. Yeah, because we were sort of outlined in the past couple of weeks that the case for not just defensive player of the year, but MVP was building for Miles Garrett. If you're going to win games by, you know, three points here and there and on the backs of the defense, it comes on the backs of 95. And if he's out for an extended period, that all goes out the window. And Denver? Like, Denver? Like, this John Payton? Russell Wilson? Good. Like, really? John Payton is there all that trash before the season and might actually back yeah. it up. And also, is there like a like yin and yang thing here with the fates of Seattle and Denver? Because as the Seahawks seem to be stumbling a little bit, suddenly you get Denver rising up. Like, is there like a Freaky Friday situation at work? Like, what's happening? Pete Carroll won the won the battle, lost the war. Yeah, be, I don't know. And then back because Pete Carroll loves war stories. Like, this, yeah, he does. This is gonna be bad for him if he loses this war. Uh, I think the most impressive thing about the Broncos is how they've managed to get. Russell Wilson to not like cook, you know, it's, you're not, he's not throwing the ball a lot. He's, he's heating leftovers. Yeah. He's you know, TV yeah. dinner. TV yeah. dinner. You just got put in the microwave. It's we only need you for a couple of plays a game. We only need you to be that Russ for a couple of plays a game. You've turned him into a game manager, which is fine considering where this defense is playing, which is at an especially high level since they've gotten their pass rushers back. And Cortland Sutton's playing phenomenally. They've gotten the run game going. I mean, they could make the playoffs, you know. I think this was a huge game for them in terms of their playoff standing. They could, they were able to get past a Browns team that would probably be looking to get one of those wild card spots. But, I mean, look, after this game, you got Houston. You, you're in Houston. You're in L.A. for the Chargers game. You're at Detroit. And then you finish with the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders again. I don't know. Like it, it's possible. It's it's tough, but it's possible, especially with the amount of leeway they've given themselves already this season. You mentioned Houston. That's the team immediately ahead of them um, in the AFC standings right now. They have identical records. That's who they play. So that would be significant. Um, they have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker over the Browns now, who are a game ahead of them. And I think, especially if there's significant, you know, time that's going to be missed by Miles Garrett, Cleveland could kind of wither down the stretch. Um, Mark, would it not be the funniest result possible for the Broncos to sneak in as the seventh seed and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead? Patrick Mahomes' first playoff loss at Arrowhead coming to the Broncos. I mean, funniest result possible. I mean, I think there are some funnier ones. Like it's okay, know. top ten funny permutation. Top ten funny, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think the funniest result possible is the NFC South team beating Dallas. What the hell, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, man, you opened the door to that one earlier, so wow. I had to I had to walk through it. But I mean, yes, that would be a, a tremendously funner result. And I mean, the fact that 
we're here on the cusp of December contemplating the Broncos playing meaningful football in December. When we think back to all that was said and all that was written and all the stuff we talked about between Sean Payton and Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, okay. I believe we have two games left. I don't think we've uh, skipped over any. Uh, so you might as well, we've been kind of going by divisions um, accidentally. Um, the Kansas city chiefs, JP, had a bit of a scare. We're down 14 nothing uh, in Vegas against the Raiders, uh, but then said no more, no mas. As by the way, we didn't talk about Jason Garrett on the Sunday Night Football broadcast. I don't ever need that again. Um, you know, he's a he's yeah. A, it was one of those you tune in. You're like, hey, no, Chris Collinsworth. This is interesting. Oh wait, it's Jason Garrett. I mean, Jason Garrett is a really sweet man, uh, really stand up human being, but. He treated that game like none of us had ever heard of like Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Like it was, you know, so ridiculous. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, JP, uh, the Chiefs won 31 to 17. The Raiders were up 14 0 uh, with 11 minutes and 23 seconds left in the second quarter and only scored three points the rest of the game. Like that is that is the Chiefs doing the uh, sit up in the chair meme. Like, yeah. oh, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll spot you 14 points. And then they remember, oh, yeah, we're the Kansas City Chiefs and we are much better than you. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, took, that I took away from this game is the Chiefs need to get Rasheed Rice a lot more involved, get him more targets, because he is kind of the connective tissue for that receiving room. He is the he's the in-between guy, you know, with Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling being the deep threats and them having three different variations of Kadarius Tony, which is like original Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony Light, which is Sky Moore, and then Kadarius Tony Heavy, which is Miko um, Hardman, they all do the same thing. So you need that receiver who is kind of the in-between, the, the Juju Smith-Schuster, basically, for this offense. And that could be Rasheed Rice. And I think getting him more involved, getting him targets is going to help open up the offense a lot more. And I said it a few weeks ago, like, this team feels like the inverted version of the last year's team where the offense was flying high, the most efficient offense I think we've ever seen in the NFL while the defense was playing a lot of young guys and still tried to figure it out. But it kind of turned around uh, near December with a win against the Raiders in Vegas. This year, the defense is playing like one of the best units in the league. The offense has a lot of young guys. They're trying to figure it out, but are probably turning it around against the Raiders near December in Vegas. If it ends like it did last year, then they'll probably be fine. But this is a massive win for the morale and the momentum of this offense. Um, The Chiefs are good. What a shocker, Mark. It's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, there were a lot of questions about the receiving room coming out of that loss to Philadelphia. You know, we wrote about it. Others wrote about it and talked about it. You know, they needed something, someone to emerge. And they were saying all this week, look, we trust who's in here. We trust the people we have. And you saw Rice get more involved and you saw the results. Like, I think that will be huge. And JP's point about connective tissue is massive. JP's been talking for a long time about how they missed Juju Smith-Schuster. And he's right because, you know, when you can double or bracket Travis Kelsey, the rest of the receivers they have are really outside the numbers types of players. You need one more sort of over-the-middle kind of element that can pull some gravity away from Travis Kelsey. And if Rice can give you some of that, and we saw it yesterday, that's going to be huge for this team. Um, One more game. Who's ready? Um, I don't have one, but I mean, really? Forward on this one. You don't want to fast, you don't want to talk about the Rams? No. 37 to 14? No. Well, I mean, I mentioned my fantasy teams. I have to mention um, Kyron Williams, baller, like super baller. That was awesome. Um, So yeah, that's it. Boom. Sunday of week 12. Uh, Mark, one sentence on Monday Night Football. Josh Jobs versus Justin Fields is the matchup we were all dying to see when this season began. JP. I'm actually very intrigued by what Justin Fields will look like against a defense that is not going to be afraid of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at him. I will say that um, I hope the Bears win for the Cowboys' sake. But I'm not optimistic. By the way, um, quickly, as we get to, to kind of wrap up here, I just saw um, that the 49ers are, they opened as one and a half point favorites for their game in Philadelphia this week. And that has Rose, Risen, Rosen, Josh Rosen, up Risen. to two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, 
that would be very interesting. Although, given what Philadelphia has done to this point, the, the loss really wouldn't derail them in any real sense. No, the loss wouldn't derail them. Um, this is going to be a fun week because you know it's going to get Sharpie. But that's an interesting number. Like, I saw San Francisco two and a half. Um, well, I mean, depending on where you look. I mean, but yeah. So I I looked, our friends at DraftKings, they usually have odds like, a, you know, kind of a week and a half ahead of time. And when I looked last, like, Wednesday, they were one and a half point underdogs, San Francisco. Yeah. But it was, it was still notable. Direction. Yeah. It was still notable that Philly didn't even have the true three-point home field. Three-point home bump, yeah. Um, but, um, okay. Uh, Rachel, if you could please join us and uh, tell us, number one, what the best thing you ate on Thanksgiving was. Number two, how happy it made you to have us all here together. Number three, your thoughts on the NFL this week. And number four, MFWMP. MVP. This made my day to have the gang on that. So I was very happy to see all of you, your lovely faces. Um, the best thing I had, I love deviled eggs. Like, love, love, love. Deviled Gross. Eggs. So, what? I also don't like deviled eggs. I, I love <laughs> deviled eggs. What? Y'all weirdos with your basements. You like deviled eggs. Oh, my God. Uh, and so your beds on the floor. There. It's so good. I had some salmon with the mac and cheese, deviled eggs, greens. It was so good. Really, really good. Okay, so that was the best thing I had. Um, one of the takeaways I have from this week, um, rookie wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, a career game for him. He had his first 100-yard receiving game um, of his career. And so, you know, good for him. Uh, but today's points, some of the strong points you guys made, uh, JP, the point that you made about Nick Sirianni coaching to win, Sean McDermott coaching to not lose. RJ, I liked your point about just the Panthers and it being a bad look, how David Tepper is the, you know, always the main character on Twitter. Thought that was good. Mark, I thought your point about Justin Herbert being the Shohei of the NFL, that was kind of funny. Um, JP, I also liked your point about the Broncos turning of Russell Wilson into a game manager. RJ, I liked yours about the Chargers. Um, like what out of their four wins, which one do you even feel good about? That's kind of sad when you look at that team. And Mark, I liked your point about just being a bad look for the Panthers and how it's not a good environment for Bryce Young to be in. And so today I'm going to give it to Mark. Mark, unlike um, Houston Jacksonville, this was a properly officiated game. Uh, so <laughs> how do you feel about, uh, about the win? It's always, you know, just nice to be here. Like, it's just nice to be nominated week in and week out. And it was great to have the game back together. I'll take the W's when I can get them. But look, you know, it's it's tremendous company, the three of you here. And it's nice just to be here. Um, Rachelle, if you'll allow me to add to your uh, award for Mark. Speaking yes. of company, we all work for the same one. Yes. And Mark did an incredible job for SB Nation this season covering F1. Mark, congratulations Ooh. on the F1 season wrapping up. Uh, sacrificing sleep and time uh, to create content that so many people enjoyed. You absolutely killed it on it. Thank you, my friend. It, it was fun to get to do it. It was fun to get to talk to people like Lando Norris and Zach Brown and Oscar Piastri and Valkyrie Bottas. And as you can see, judged by the bags under my eyes, it's going to be fun to get some sleep this week. <laughs> mm, well, we need your uh, full thoughts, obviously, when all the pending moves happen and whatnot. Um, and when uh, when Lewis finally gets the race in Africa. You, Mark, I mean, Africa is your thing. Like, I mean, like this is your kind yeah, of I mean, way look, happening. Lewis, Lewis has been asking for that race for a long time. I don't know when we will get it, but I think Hamilton is going to stay a driver on the grid until that happens. And then you sing the song. And then I sing the song and then I get to go to it. And then <laughs> it, it's just downhill from there for me. Right. So I think that's the moment where I retire and I don't know, go back to practice in law or work at Home Depot or just do something because it's just downhill from there. Um, JP, let's get downhill, and uh, I would like to end with you telling us how it feels to root for a team who had the biggest fraud win of the season, uh, with the Jaguars getting help from the refs. Eight and three, at baby. least in the eyes of Houston media. Eight not my and eyes. three, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they don't ask how; they ask how many. Go Jags, Duval, till we die.